Welcome to Weekly Homilies. Each week we present a homily by Father Mark Suslenko, pastor of the community of Saints Isidore and Maria in beautiful Glastonbury, Connecticut. These are introduced by myself, Jonathan Sozek, director of our community's Faith Formation Office. For more about Father Mark and the life of our community, please head over to isadoreandmaria.org. Today, we present Season 1, Episode 12 of this podcast. We will hear Father Mark's homily from March 30th, 2018, Good Friday in Year B. The Gospel for this week is John chapter 18, verse 1 through chapter 19, verse 32. Let us listen now to that reading, then hear Father Mark's response. A reading from the Gospel of John. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to where there was a garden, into which he and his disciples entered. Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas got a band of soldiers and guards from the chief priests and the Pharisees and went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out and said to them, Whom are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am. Judas, his betrayer, was also with them. When he said to them, I am, they turned away and fell to the ground. So he again asked them, Whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus, the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill what he had said, I have not lost any of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? So the band of soldiers, the tribune, and the Jewish guards seized Jesus, bound him, and brought him to Annas first. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had counseled the Jews that it was better that one man should die rather than the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Now the other disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered the courtyard of the high priest with Jesus. But Peter stood at the gate outside. So the other disciple, the acquaintance of the high priest, went out and spoke to the gatekeeper and brought Peter in. Then the maid, who was the gatekeeper, said to Peter, You are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that they had made, because it was cold, and were warming themselves. Peter was also standing there, keeping warm. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I have spoken publicly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogue, or in the temple, 
area where all the Jews gather, and in secret I have said nothing. Why ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus and said, Is this the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing there keeping warm, and they said to him, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again Peter denied it, and immediately the cock crowed. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. It was morning, and they themselves did not enter the praetorium in order not to be defiled so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. At this Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, We do not have the right to execute anyone, in order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled that he said, indicating the kind of death he would die. So Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? And Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But, as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he again went out to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this one, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged. And the soldiers wove a crown out of thorns and placed it on his head and clothed him in a purple cloak. And they came to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him repeatedly. Once more Pilate went out and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you, so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple cloak. And he said to them, Behold the man! When the chief priests and the guards saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die. 
because he made himself the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this statement, he became even more afraid and went back into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus did not answer him. So Pilate said to him, Do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and I have power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Consequently, Pilate tried to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release him, you are not a friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench in the place called Stone Pavement in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was preparation day for Passover, and it was about noon. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Now many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, as it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it will be in order that the passage of Scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary of Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home. After this, aware that everything was now finished, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with common wine, so they put a sponge soaked in wine on a sprig of hyssop and put it up to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. And, bowing his head, he handed over the Spirit. Now, since it was preparation day, in order that the bodies 
might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, uh, for the Sabbath day of that week was a solemn one, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and then of the other one who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one soldier thrust his lance into his side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. An eyewitness has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is speaking the truth, so that you also may come to believe. For this happened so that the scripture passage might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it will be broken. And again, another passage says, They will look upon him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, secretly a disciple of Jesus, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus, and Pilate permitted it. So he came and took his body. Nicodemus, the one who had first come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and bound it with burial cloths, along with the spices, according to the Jewish burial custom. Now in the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been buried. So they laid Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation day, for the tomb was close by. The Gospel of the Lord. Stephen Hawkins, whom many of you may know as a renowned physicist who recently died, said that the afterlife is really only a fairy tale for those who are afraid of death. As we gather here today and contemplate the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is that really all that it's about for us? simply alleviating our fear of death? Or is there something more to what we commemorate today? All of us deal with fear. We would be lying if we were to say to ourselves or others that we're never afraid. Any Radical change can bring fear. Anytime we experience loss, we immediately ponder what we're leaving in anticipation of the unknown of what we're going to. Even with death, fear is a part of the picture. Jesus in his final hours, also expressed fear. And so, whether we believe in God, or whether we believe that in death, 
we simply return to the earth, we still need to deal with our fear. And so it would seem to me that what we commemorate today is much more than simply dealing with fear. If we look at the events that were just remembered once again, we can draw the conclusion that what we're really about today is learning what it is to be fully human. Now, if we were to throw the question of what does it mean to be fully human out to the world, I'm sure many people would come up with many different answers to what it means to be fully human. Now, I would suspect that the way we would answer that question, we who gather here today, who are Christian, would answer that by saying to be fully human is to imitate Christ. Because as Christians, that's how we perceive the full humanness of humanity, to become like Christ and imitate him. In doing so, we then achieve our highest goal, our highest destiny, and stumble into our true self. So how do we begin to imitate Christ? Again, there are many different answers to that question, but I would like to borrow today from one of our stronger saints in history, St. John Chrysostom. In reflecting on the passion of Christ, St. John Chrysostom said this, As a mother nourishes her child with her blood and with her milk, so Christ unceasingly nourishes with his blood those to whom he has given life. As a mother nourishes her child with her own blood and milk. So Christ unceasingly nourishes with his blood those to whom he has given life. And so today really is about discovering and embracing how we can imitate Christ not just to alleviate our fear of death, but to allow us to be transformed into who God made us to be. St. John Chrysostom further goes on to reflect on the water and the blood flowing from Christ's side. And he said that really speaks of two powerful sacraments in our church, baptism and Eucharist. 
And so the way we begin to imitate Christ is to live out more fully the power of those two sacraments, baptism and Eucharist. Baptism reminds us who we are. Eucharist gives us the strength to be who we are. Baptism reminds us, and Eucharist strengthens us. Think back for a moment to what happens in baptism. Well, among many things, we become a son and daughter of God. In becoming so, we are given the wonderful and distinct privilege of sharing in that same intimate relationship that Jesus had with his Father. And so in baptism, we realize who we really are as a disciple, as a follower, as a child. And so in conforming ourselves to Christ, we then allow ourselves to be led to the Father and take upon ourselves all that being a disciple means by allowing ourselves to be led, changed, and to bring the good news into the world by preaching through the quality of our lives. And then in the Eucharist, to meet Jesus intimately within the sacredness of our souls, to allow God to enter into and be with us in that unique and intimate way, strengthens us to do that which baptism calls us to do. And so really today isn't about receiving a prize at the end of our journey or finding a cushion to make the reality of death easier. It's about learning who we are and being faithful to who we are. Because in discovering that, we take on certain charisms and certain behaviors and certain ideologies and leave others behind. Because life is always going to call us to change. We are always going to face loss, disappointment, and suffering. But how we view those things is where what being a Christian makes a difference. And so today, as we remember once again the passion and death of Christ, may we see in his example what it means to truly be who God made us to be and do all in our power to imitate Christ in its fullness. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.